You're listening to nativetalk.net. Audio files are available online at nativetalk.net. Be a part of the program by emailing us, podcast at nativetalk.net. And now, your hosts, Cliff and Brandon. Just one more reason not to conceive in front of the microwave. Now grab your nets and let's go fishing. Good morning and welcome to the nativetalk.net, the nativetalk.net radio program. Uh, this show is for Christmas Eve 2017, and we are so glad you could join us today. The email, if you want to be a part of the show, podcast at nativetalk.net. You can also make comments through our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash nativetalkradio. And uh, the phone lines are open if you want to call and leave us a voice message. That number, 970-278-5791. Now, this is kind of a, uh, a lesson show. We're going to do a little bit of history. Now, I've got Jason with me because I think if you're going to teach, it's always good to teach a, a little boy. So, Of course, and they all in know about that emails and stuff. Well, we might have new listeners, and maybe they don't know about that. So I oh, want to yeah. let them know. Because not everybody listens to every single show. So I guess that is true. Now, due to the holidays, you know, we got Christmas and New Year's and all this stuff. So we're going to take next week off. All right. So I'm going to we're going to do an extra special one hour show for you today. So that'll kind of uh, take care of two weeks. Okay. Yeah. Wait, what the? Why am I? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was going to say, oh, yeah. All right, so we're not going to do a show next week. Yes. We're going to do just this show. It's going to be one hour long. Yes, but that will happen tomorrow, I believe. Well, the people are going to hear it tomorrow, but like yes. next week, we're not going to have one next week. Yes, next week and will you be. Would, and yes, you would be pretty sad that there would be no radio show next week, so. Well, it's just going to be a short Sorry. break for the holidays. So this one is yes. going to kind of last people. That's why it's one hour long. And when we're start, starting our shows again is when I'm going back to just boring school. That's right. But it's a little, but, and actually, just like in, it's, this is kind of like a tall tale. Like, for example, it's a little bit of not fun and a little bit of fun. <laughs> That's right. Yes. So now, uh, you're in school, right, Jason? Mm-hmm. First what? grade. You're in first grade. How old are you? Six. So are you used to being, to people teaching you stuff? Yeah, pretty much. So pretty much when you go to school, people teach you lots of things. What kind of stuff do you learn about? Uh, basically, uh, 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 a c- couple months ago we learned about rocks, but now I don't think that's... We learn about this anymore at all. Okay, you are learning about rocks. Yep, okay. Rock. Well, today we're going to learn about Indians, Native Americans, and of course. S- and specifically the Indians of the uh, the Pacific Northwest in what's now the Puget Sound region in Washington State. Now, what tribe are you a part of? Uh, hey, talk it. Talk into the microphone, pal. Puella. Puyallup, that's right. And they are in the Puget Sound region. So we're going to be learning about our own tribe. Of, 
I already knew that. Now, did you know that the West Coast tribes, the tribes who are near the ocean, did you know that they were considered rich by other Indian nations? Uh, definitely not. You didn't know that. All right. Well, they were. In fact, of all the coastal Indians, the Tulalip, Swinomish, Lummi, and Skagit tribes were considered the most rich. These were the Indian tribes who lived in the Puget Sound area of Washington State, and that's where we're from. Stop, stop flicking the microphone, Jason, all right? What? Try to be professional now, okay? Got it. So do you know what made these tribes so rich? Another word for that is wealthy. Do you know what made them wealthy? Mm, no. Do you think it was oil? Oil makes people rich. Mm, I don't know what they're talking about. Oil never makes us rich. <laughs> well, it did make a lot of people rich. Now, while these, uh, these Indians did love to, dick, to dip their food in whale oil to give it flavor, it wasn't... It wasn't oil. It also wasn't the discovery of gold or silver. Now, the early Indians, oh. they were talented artists, and they absolutely would have made beautiful jewelry out of gold and silver if they had discovered gold or silver. Yep. But actually, they didn't use metal of any kind. They didn't have gold statues. They didn't have iron pots or brass weapons. They had no metal. Do you know what they had? Uh, muddy blankets and coppers. Well, <laughs> they did, but we're not talking about that yet. What they had was wood, but that isn't what made them rich and famous, but what did make them that way was food. Oh. Food. What? Food. Food made them rich and famous. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, Jason, we're talking about 2,000 years ago. And at the time, having a lot of food and safe, sturdy shelter... Makes them rich. Well, it made them famous. Try not to talk so loud into the microphone, okay? Oh, yeah. Now, a lot of the Indians... Now, you know that uh, all across the United States today, there were actually many, many different tribes. And they all lived different ways. Now, a lot of Indians were hunters and gatherers, but the Pacific Northwest tribes never developed a system of agriculture. Agriculture means they grow things like corn and rice and, and potatoes and stuff like that. They didn't have that in the Pacific Northwest. Do you know why? Why? Because they didn't need it. They built their villages on the ocean shores, rivers and streams, and they had so much food they didn't need to grow food because they had enough for everything. Except when the pilgrims came. Well, that was in the East Coast. That oh. was all the way in, like, uh, Massachusetts and stuff like that. We're talking about Washington. It's the whole other side of the country. Oh. All right? So it's not where the pilgrims came. Now, back then, yeah, it's not where the pilgrims came. That's right. Okay. So uh, the Puget Sound Indians, uh, you, you know what the Puget Sound is, right? Uh, no. That's where I go diving. It's like, um, think about like where the ocean is, yes, and it's yes, like a whole yes. bunch of water that's right near the yes, ocean. Yes, yes, right? yes. That's where you dive for gooey ducks for mo money. That's right. So the, uh, the Puget Sound Indians, what they used to tell visiting tribes, they told them that sometimes the river 
was so packed with salmon that you could walk across the river on the backs of the fish and you wouldn't even get your feet wet. There were that many fish in the rivers. And you wouldn't even get your feet wet? Yep, that, that's, that's how many fish were in the river. You could walk across it and not even get your feet wet because there was so many fish in there. Now, do you think that sounds true? No. Yeah. Do, do, have you ever heard of a tall tale? Yeah, we learned about it yeah last year. Basically, there was there was this story about a lumberjack, and basically this fantasy thing this that lumberjack was so huge with a <laughs> huge bull too. Was was his name uh, Paul Bunyan? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a tall tale. So a tall tale is where you tell a story that's not exactly true. Yeah. They yeah, exaggerate like, it. Yeah, like for example, it's a little bit true, a little bit not. <laughs> that's right. That's what the library teacher said. Okay, well that's what uh, that's what the Puget Sound Indians were famous for, their tall tales. Yes. So it was true that the waters were packed full of salmon and there were clams thick on the beaches. The woods were full of elk and deer and other animals, wild blackberries and raspberries, and salmonberries, and nuts, they were everywhere. There were oysters, shrimp, turtles, eggs, wild vegetables. So you can see why other tribes who were struggling to survive in other parts of the country would consider the Puget Sound Indians rich because they had so much food. But no, you probably couldn't actually walk across the river on the backs of fish and not get your feet wet. Of course, that is not true. Yeah, well, it's a little bit true and a little bit not true, all right? Yep. Now, adding to the abundance of food, abundance means you have a lot of it, okay? So adding to the abundance of food was the abundance of cedar trees, okay? Cedar trees? What's that? Cedar tree is is a certain type of tree that grows in the Pacific Northwest, and what they use these trees for is to build their plank homes. They called them longhouses and sturdy canoes. In fact, every year in the Puget Sound, even today, they have something called the canoe journey. And the canoe journey has been something that's been going on forever, all right? And they would have all the tribes of the area come together and and each tribe uh, would host the canoe journey. And people would go around and they would travel a long distance and have a big pot latch, okay? And uh, they used this saw, and that's what what they would do with their canoes. Now, softened cedar bark was used to make shoes. I mean, imagine that, a shoe made out of wood. Wow. They used wood to make their clothes, their blankets, and even their towels. Their art was incredible. Using cedar, they could carve things from masks to totem poles and cooking utensils. You know, like forks and spoons and stuff like that. Now, these people were also very clever. They created a way to dry their food so it could be stored safely. Now, the methods of drying their food are still used today. And they would, like, smoke salmon, and you can still go out there and buy some of the most incredible smoked salmon. It's amazing. Of course. Now, now once they could store food... They could relax a bit during the winter. Because you know what winter's like, right? Yeah. How, what is winter like? Uh, is it nice and sunny and warm? No, it's 
it's it's nice but cold and it's nice cold and chilly it is chilly now if you have to find your food fo- your food outside when do you think is a good time to find food in the winter or in the spring and summer spring and summer of course because it's warm it's easy to go get food so in the spring and the summer when it's warm they could collect the food and then they would store it so that they could have it all during the winter and it gave them time to develop a gracious lifestyle now every morning they would start their day at dawn that means when the when the sun comes up and they would take a bath in the river where do you take a bath uh, in the bathtub. <laughs> they didn't have bathtubs back then. They yes. They had the river. And, and uh, why would you take a bath in the bathtub when you could just have nature, right? After their morning bath, they went to work. Now, they didn't go to work like we do today, where you go to, like, hotels and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, they would work in their in their communities okay yes and their very first meal what meal do you have in the in the morning uh breakfast yeah well they wouldn't have breakfast until several hours after they got up okay now the women they did chores on land near the longhouse so the women kind of stayed home they wove baskets they made blankets they made mats they dug for clams they collected berries they pounded the cedar bark, you know, the bark on the outside of the tree, yeah. to soften it and get it ready to make clothes. They cleaned the house, and they scrubbed what they could and replaced anything that they couldn't clean. Okay? They put the morning meal on to cook and started to prepare food for the evening meal. That's in the morning. They would start to get dinner ready early so that, uh, so that it would be ready at night. They were... Basically, they were housewives, and they were really, really good housewives. Just like Mama, right? She doesn't go to work. She stays home. Yeah. But does Mama do nothing? Uh, no. She cleans the house, feeds the kids, and does all kinds of stuff. So d- just because she doesn't go to work, does that mean she doesn't work? No. She does a lot of stuff, doesn't she? Yes. Meanwhile, the men, they would go fishing, like uh, diving for gooey ducks, maybe. Yes. They would go hunting. In fact, they were wonderful hunters. They used traps and clubs and arrows to, uh, to hunt animals. They would set out baskets to catch cribs, and they would fish. They stood... What's cribs? Crabs. Oh. They would catch crabs, okay, which are out there. In fact, when I go diving, sometimes I see crabs down there. It's pretty cool. They would, they would build these piers and fish with baskets woven out of cattails hung from the end of long cedar poles. Basically, they could just put their baskets in the, in the, in the water and just scoop food out. It was really amazing. Okay? Now, I mentioned they, don't, uh, they didn't live in houses, right? They don't live in houses like we do today. Yep. Now, when you think of Indians, what do you think of an Indian house? Like, what do you imagine in your mind? Uh, I am imagining that that's morning and I'm drawing. No, I, I mean, like, if you imagine an Indian house, most people think of a teepee. Uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. You were thinking of a teepee. Yes. Now, in the eastern Washington, 
they did have teepees. They were called the Yakima Indians, all right? But uh, in the Pacific Northwest, by the water, they didn't live in teepees. They lived in longhouses that they built out of big pieces of wood, okay? They They chopped trees down. They cut them right down the middle using beaver teeth. They didn't have tools. They made yes. tools out of beaver teeth and rocks to make axes. Wow, that was that that sounds pretty hard to make axes out of rocks. But they did it. That's because they were that cool. And their houses were absolutely huge. Okay. Wow. So you know um you know how long a foot is, right? It's about this about this big? Yeah. It was one hundred feet. Oh my gosh. Okay. 100 feet long and 25 feet wide with low roofs. Now, in our living room, we have kind of a high roof, but that's not very good for heating. They had low roofs, and uh, that way they could keep the heat in. And the only openings in the whole building was the entrance door and a hole in the roof to let smoke escape. So they basically, they built uh, fires inside their house. Does that sound like a good idea? Mm-mm. Why not? Because people might... Talk into the microphone, buddy. Because maybe the floor might get burnt. Well, their floor was made out of dirt. Oh, yeah. I thought it was made of, out of wood. No, no, no. Just the walls and the, and the roof. Well, what about a fireplace? Have you ever seen a fireplace? It has a chimney. Yes. Like that's, for, that's pretty much a hole in the roof. Yeah, like for example, our our chimney has stone. Maybe maybe those chimney must have more bark. <laughs> no, they would just build a, a a hole in the roof. That way, the smoke could escape. Now there were uh, two ways to build a longhouse. One, the tribe would build a longhouse. Yes. Two, you would build a longhouse for your own family. So they yeah. had like community housing. And they would have personal housing, all right? Okay. Now, if the chief, or if the longhouse was built by the tribe, the chief would assign space inside the longhouse. So they had, like, kind of rooms. Do you have your own room? Yes. So basically, the chief would say, okay, this is your family's room. This is that family's room. And he would, like, set up rooms for families, Okay? Yes. So everyone would have their own space. Now, if, like, uh, a papa built a longhouse for his own family, he lived in that longhouse with his wife, his kids, and his grandkids. Everybody lived in this big family. All right? Yes. And as each member of the family, like, how old are you again? Six. Now, when do you turn into a grown-up? Basically, when you get to 20 years old. 20 years old. Okay, now, do you share a room? Uh, yes, with my brother Davy. Okay, you share a room with your brother Davy. Now, when you get older and you get married, do you think you still want to share a room with your brother Davy when you're married? <laughs> of course not. <laughs> well, if you were living in Indian times back 2,000 years ago, what would happen is when you got married, I would say, Jason, you and your wife, you get your own special room. You don't have to share with Davy anymore. Good. Because if if I got married and I still had to sleep with my brother Davy, I would be like, 
come on. I want to get my own room. <laughs> <laughs> now, what happens when the owner of the house dies? Uh, probably the house would just get built down. Well, the problem was, is the, uh, the, the tribes, the, the people who lived in this community, they thought if the family stayed in that, in that house, the spirit who died, you know, they, when they die, you have a spirit, it might stick around and uh, it might bother the family or it, or it might, it, he might get worried about the family. So the family had to move and live somewhere else. So either you would give the house away to somebody else or you would burn it to the ground. Uh, okay? I would choose to give it away to somebody else. Why I is that? Because I don't. Because I don't want that house to get burnt down so that other people could build new houses in the same place. I don't want that to happen at all. <laughs> That's a good idea. Well, now, it didn't matter if the plank house, if the long house was assigned by the father of the family, by the chief of the tribe. didn't matter because life was the same in every house. The only thing that changed was some houses were big, some houses were small. Now, furniture... Yes. Furniture was pretty simple. In their private area, each family had bunk beds. Do, do you have a bunk bed? Yes, and I wish I didn't have a bunk bed forever. You won't have a bunk bed forever. When you get married, you'll probably have a normal bed like us, all right? Yeah, like, for example, a king-size bed or a queen-size bed or a full-size bed. Yeah, you can choose. When you grow up and you have your own house, you get to pick. Right. Actually, teenagers only have four beds. Possibly, yes. Sometimes they still have twin beds. All right, now above your bed, now think about this. You're in your bunk bed, all right? And mm -hmm. above your bed, they in would build... The yeah, but below the roof, they would build shelves to put their stuff and they put their food. And underneath the bottom bunk, have you ever gone underneath your bunk bed? Uh, Talk into the microphone. Uh, yeah, to get what, stuff... Out. What's un what's under you? What's under the bed? The bottom bunk. Uh, basically, the basically when I used to read this like thing called secret identity crisis. Well, a lot of times it was under my bed. Okay, so your books and stuff would fall under there. Yes. Okay. Well, the Indians, the Pacific Northwest West Indians, they would actually dig a hole under there. Because remember I said the floor is made out of dirt? Yes. So they would dig a hole about two feet deep and put their food in there. Basically, they kept their houses clean, cheerful, and colorful. They would have their clothes, their blankets, their mats, and their beautifully... Money. uh Maybe their money and beautiful baskets to provide color. All right. Now, mem now I mentioned the mat. Do you know what a mat is? It's another word for like a, like a rug. Like in the bathroom, there's like a mat when you get out of the, the shower. Yes, like for, like for example, every morning when I go to school, when I get in the bathroom to, to brush my teeth. Talk into the microphone, buddy. To brush my teeth, for example, I, I just lay on the mat until... Mad until I get my eyes brightened up until I can finally see so I don't have to close my eyes every time when I open my eyes to see very brightness. Okay, now what color is that, Matt? What does it look like? Black. Now that seems kind of boring, right? 
Yeah. So, and, and remember, we're talking about a longhouse. Lots and lots of different families live in this mm -hmm. one house. So they want to kind of make their space their own. Now, in your, in your room, you have walls, right? Yes. What, do you, what have you been putting on your walls lately? Uh, pictures of my closet. Plants with the zombies pictures because actually on my door there's a zombie holding two words and it obviously, as you can tell, it, could, it obviously says, warning, zombies. <laughs> so basically, when you have your own space, you want to make it your own. Right? Yes. Kind of like, this is my space. Oh, wait, I know why there are different, there's different families in one giant house. Because it's like an apartment. Kind of. But this was, these were, uh, it was a community, right? And this mm -hmm. is the way that they all lived together. And they were all friends. Maybe they had fights and stuff like that. But it was, uh, it was a, a, a tribe, you know? They were all there together yes right but they still wanted to make their space their own give yes. them give them a sense of privacy so what they did was they made their mats out of uh, out of the wood the cedar okay and they made them beautiful and they would hang them from the ceiling they also used mats like cushions so they could sit on it because remember it's dirt so they yes. want to put something on the floor so they could sit down they used them as tablecloths as towels and even their sheets. They and make... tables and chairs. Well, I don't know about that, all right? <laughs> they made them out of cedar bark strips or from cattail plants. Cattail right? plants? I don't understand how... It's, it's a plant that grows in the water. Oh. Okay, so I... they would use that to make different mats and make them, uh, make them pretty. So all summer long, the women would collect the materials to make the mats and they would dry the material in the sun. In the winter, they would hang long pieces side by side and weave them together with a special mat needle that was carved exactly for this purpose. They would put colored grass into the mats in carefully designed patterns to make it colorful and beautiful. But guess what? They couldn't wash them. What? If they washed they them- They couldn't wash wood again? They couldn't wash their mats. If they got dirty, if they yes. washed them, they would fall apart. So yeah. when they got dirty, they just threw them away and made new ones. So yeah, it's and what uh, did they make them make their mats again? Out of uh, bark, you know, from the trees or yes. cattails and, and grass and stuff like that. That and feels like it could melt down. So well, that's yes. why you couldn't wash it. So they would make a bunch of them. This is what made your house a home made it comfortable they were yes. so important that a woman's housekeeping skills were judged in part by how many mats she had stacked up and ready to use for whatever might come up yeah so, like for example a thousand mats but i'm really choking because a wife can't make that much bats or can a wife uh, maybe she mat. could but if you go to one person's space and she has five mats and you go to another person's space and she has a hundred mats who do you think's a better housekeeper uh the second wife the one who has more mats exactly yes. so what did they do to a woman who let her family's supply of mats run out 
I don't know, but it probably wasn't very nice. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, we got to take a, uh, a quick break, but we'll be back in just a moment when we let you choose from the list of things that we can learn about, and I'm going to read a story about uh, a potlatch, all right? I hope it's called How David Stowe Cools Potlatch. Um, that's exactly what it's called. <laughs> Do it! All right, we're going to talk about that when we come back here on the uh, NativeTalk.net radio podcast. NativeTalk.net and NativeTalk.net, that's even what you forgot. Obviously, you didn't forget. Exactly. Practice makes perfect, but nobody's perfect, so why practice? You're listening to NativeTalk.net. Now grab your nets and let's go fishing. Hey, this is Steve with ThePeoplesAmmo.com. Do you enjoy the outdoor sportsman lifestyle? We've got the high-quality, reliable ammo you need from home defense rounds to outdoor enjoyment. So check this out at ThePeoplesAmmo.com, where we hold these truths to be self-evident that all ammo is not created equal. Visit ThePeoplesAmmo.com, where you can stock up on the quality rounds you deserve and shoot with confidence. ThePeoplesAmmo.com. For over 70 years, Smokey Bear has asked you to use fire responsibly. Fire is due to an unattended campfire. Go time. Here's how you can stay on the front lines of preventing wildfires. Always watch your campfire before leaving. Drown it, stir it, drown it again, and feel that the fire is out cold. And you won't need a visit from Dusty's team. Copy that. Visit SmokeyBear.com for more fire prevention tips. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state foresters, and the Ad Council. Years of research, testing, and careful planning thrown right out the window. You're listening to NativeTalk.net. Now grab your nets and let's go fishing. All right, welcome back to the NativeTalk.net radio podcast. Uh, message line if you want to call in and drop ah! us a line is 970-278-5791. And make sure you visit us online whenever you get the chance to download and listen to any of our past shows. Uh, did they listen to that at the beginning? I'm just reminding them, buddy. In case they forgot, maybe they want to make give us a phone call. Oh, All right. right. We know our phone number because you told them in the beginning of the show. Okay. Well, I just told them again. That's all. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. Now, um, we got way too much to talk about in such a short amount of time. So I'm going to give you a chance to choose what we talk about. Now, you got a list. Okay. Yes. Tell me what you want to learn about. Yes. So I'm going to look. I want to learn about two things. Okay. Money blankets and coppers and the potlatch, which the potlatch is supposed to be first. Okay. Well, actually, I can do uh, money, basic units of trade, okay? Money blankets and coppers, okay? Yeah. Now, what do we use for money today? Uh, by work, working in an office, hotel, uh, any kind of work. What do you get when you work? Money. You get money. Okay, and what does the money look like? Uh, 
basically it's green and it has liberty on the top and it has George Washington, Abraham <laughs> Lincoln, or or some kind of orange thing with lines <laughs> in it. That's right. Now, 2,000 years ago, the Indians, they didn't have that kind of money. You know yes. what they had? What? A blanket. <laughs> <laughs> now, this was the basic unit of trade between natives, okay? The value of everything was expressed in blankets. Like, for example, you go to the store and they say, oh, I want this coffee machine. And they say, oh, that'll be $15. That's not what they said. They go, oh, this coffee machine will be 15 blankets. <laughs> <laughs> Trades between the clans were arranged in advance. Okay? So if you want to buy something, they would arrange a trade, and they were conducted like live performance plays. Put on your headphones, okay? That's because it was almost 12, and I realized if I spin around three times, it was going to split like last time. So that's why I took off my headphones, okay? Okay. All right. So what they would do was uh, they would get a huge display of blankets and they would bring it to the trading place yes. and uh, they go okay so you want to buy this coffee machine how much do you want to buy it for and he says i'll give you one blanket and he would say one blanket i thought we <laughs> talked about 15 blankets yeah they would if it was if it was the day they would even 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 say 15 dollars instead of Blankets. Okay. So they agreed on 15 blankets. Yes. But the seller, he would say, one blanket? Okay, I'll take it for one blanket. This was to show he didn't care about money. He's like, money? I don't need money. One blanket? That's fine. And then all of his friends would say, no, you can't take one blanket. It's too cheap. Tell them to go home. Yeah. <laughs> and then the buyer would say, Okay, 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 okay. How about three blankets? And he would say, okay, three blankets. I'll take it. And then his friends would be like, three blankets? That's ridiculous. It's still too low. No, it's cheap. It's too cheap. Was, uh, he could have turned in a uh, hundred blankets. Yeah, so basically they would go back and forth until they reached the price that they agreed upon, like 15 blankets. So when they said 15 blankets, he would say, okay, that's a fair offer. And then his friends would say, yes, yes, it's a very fair offer. And he would take the 15 blankets. It was just, it was like for fun. Everybody had a great time. What happens if they put, what happened, what would happen if they, uh, like, for example, if, uh, like, like the coffee, machine was 15 blankets, right? Uh-huh. Well, what if he turned in 20 blankets? Well, he wouldn't do that because they agreed on the price before, okay? And so they would just stick with the price that they agreed on. They were just, it was like a play. They were just having fun, okay? Oh. Now, as time went by, okay, so we're not 2,000 years ago. We're getting closer to the modern age. And they would start to get new wealth from the fur trade. And right? plus, it was, it's already the modern age. Well, now, but not back then. Okay, so this uh. is still like some hundreds of years ago. But they were able to add a new form of money, which was called the copper. 
Yeah, Kay. maybe. Oh wait, I I saw a copper and I I tried to get a copper in Minecraft actually because they had copies in Minecraft, but you needed some stuff which I could have didn't know where to get that stuff, so I just leave the copper alone for <laughs> Minecraft. Okay, well this was real copper. Yes. And so they would have copper the size of a shield. Think about a shield, a huge piece of copper, and they would paint it in bright colors. Oh wait, actually copper is a rock. A what? A rock. A rock? Yes, because I heard it from YouTube of Roblox. Okay, it's not a rock. It's a mineral. It's a, it's a metal, actually. Oh. Okay. And in 1893, a copper shield, they just called it a copper, it was worth 5,000 blankets. Yeah, nobody could get that much <laughs> money. Nobody could get that much... Th blankets? In this age, because... I don't think... Because they made these blankets by their own hands. Not a machine. They would make the blankets. And probably uh, the wives would do most of the blanket thingies and the mats and stuff. And yes, the they did. Yes. Now, you know, did you know the copper had a nickname? Okay, I wonder, I wonder what, it, what the nickname is. I'm glad you asked. Its nickname was Making the House Empty of Blankets. <laughs> <laughs> so they added, soon they added a bigger and better copper worth 6,000 blankets. It was called uh, the Steelhead Salmon Copper. Right? Steelhead Salmon Copper? I know it's the hardest copper ever. You can't even break it with your bare hands. Well, Not even it's, gloves. Its nickname was, it glides out of one's hands like a salmon. Because have you yes. ever tried to hold a fish? Uh, yeah, like for example, but back then when I, when I was holding a fish, it could never escape from my hands, though. D do you remember when we went fishing? Yes. Was the fish kind of slippery? Yes. Exactly. So they would say, this copper slides out of your hands like a salmon. Soon, they introduced a third copper worth 7,000 blankets. 7,000! And they called it, all other coppers are ashamed to look at it. All coppers are ashamed to look at <laughs> it, even though I'm kidding. Because it was so amazing. And I so know. if... If somebody offered you a 7,000 blanket copper and you said no, you would lose face. That means that you would uh, be kind of like... Poor. Kind of poor, exactly. You would be ashamed because it would imply that you couldn't afford to buy it. And yes. if, so if you So you can't say no because if you say no, you're going to be embarrassed. But if you say yes... Your entire clan, that's like your family, yeah. would have to come up with the equivalent of 7,000 blankets. Oh. And if you could not come up with 7,000 blankets, you had to sell some of your family into slavery to pay the debt. Yeah, like for example, at the bottom it says slaves of my list. Maybe next time we'll talk about the slaves, all right? Okay. But if you could not afford, you at least had to be embarrassed or you had to be and slide down the social scale so you would kind of be, you know, people would kind of laugh at you and stuff like that. Yes. Or you could become a slave. 
So those were your choices. Yes. All right. Now, uh, the potlatch. You mentioned that one. And that'll be the last yeah. thing. And we'll read the story and we'll be done for today. All right. Okay. Now, this one's important because uh, what, 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 what holiday is coming up? Uh, Christmas. How many days? Uh, only three, I believe, or two. It's like two. But when people hear this, it will only be one. Because I'm going to po post it tomorrow. It'll be uh, Christmas Eve. All right? Uh, yes. Now, Native American festivals, they didn't have Christmas. Okay? And uh, festivals, the kind of holidays they have, can tell you a, a whole lot about culture. So one of the most interesting cultural festivals that I want to tell you about, celebrated by most of the Pacific Northwest tribes, was the potlatch. Now, this wasn't just a party. Okay? This was a magnificent planned party. You're talking about a really big deal. Planning for a potlatch could take an entire year or longer. That's how long it would take to plan this party. Okay? Oh. Today, just like in, olden in the olden days, every person that you invited to the potlatch would get a present. This present could be a pencil or it could be a carving. At any particular potlatch, Everybody receives the same present. So if you give a carving, that means everybody gets a carving. If you give a pencil, everybody yeah. gets a pencil. Do you understand? So Indians in the ancient Washington state have always been generous people. In fact, you mentioned we're part of the Puyallup tribe, right? Yes. Do you know what our motto is? Uh, I do not know what's a motto either. A motto is a, uh, um, basically a phrase that you live by. And our motto is generous and welcoming to all people. So uh, also, it doesn't make any sense that you're living by a phrase because a phrase is a word. Yes, and you would live by that word. And so if you say we're generous and welcoming to all people, that means you're nice to everybody. Yeah. You would have people talking to the microphone, okay? Yes. And so people from all over would come to visit us, right? Other tribes. They would want to trade pelts of fur for dried seaweed, for sea salt flavoring, dried fish, dried clams, dried salmon, dried meat. They were delighted with their greetings. So they would come to do trade, and they would have a huge party for them. Yes, okay? that is all true. So the Kitsap Peninsula and the Puget Sound area where our tribe is soon became the meeting place for almost all the tribes in the whole Pacific Northwest. And every fall, tribes from up and down the entire coast would gather by our tribe to celebrate a potlatch and prepare to trade. A potlatch was, and it still is today, a wonderful festival with weddings and stories the tall tale kind. So they yes. like to lie and, and uh, tell big stories. And they would feast and dance and trade. Okay? They would also, not just for big events, they were given for everything. So, for example, if an important person, like who's an important person you can think of? Can you think of anybody who's important in the world? Uh, let me think. Any important person. How about your teacher? Yes. Your teacher's important? Yes. Okay, what's your teacher's name? Uh, Miss Her. Okay, let's say Mrs. Her fell off a canoe. Oh. 
Oh, my God. Do you think she would feel good about that? Nope. She would, if she died, she would. No, she didn't die. She just fell off the canoe in the water. Well, probably if she was in the ocean and the middle, middle, she would probably fall on top of that Titanic. Okay. This is before the Titanic, my friend. Oh, (laughs) yeah. So it's lot. It's just, it's near your house. You fall off the canoe. It's kind of embarrassing, right? Yes, and I, and I don't really like that this was before the Titanic. <laughs> the Titanic, because I really wish that that somebody was that like you just wouldn't like. You would live in a lighthouse in the middle of the sea. Then when you fell off the canoe, you would be right on top of that Titanic. Okay, that's not what happened, all right? They yes. Just, they just fell out of the canoe, and it was a little embarrassing. Yes. So they would have a small and expensive potlatch to kind of uh, make the, the embarrassment of the fall a little bit less so that yes. they couldn't laugh at the person. And you couldn't lose dignity. These were important beliefs in uh, Pacific Northwest Indian culture. So if you fell out of the canoe and you're embarrassed, one way to, um, to get your dignity back is to host a big potlatch. And everybody kind of goes, they forget about you're embarrassed about the canoe falling out because you have a potlatch. And everybody says, oh, you're a great person. All right? Yes. So... That brings us to how Raven stole Crow's potlatch. And also, I read the first thing, and it Raven was a magical bird. And yeah, well, I'm going to tell that story, okay? <laughs> yes, you and can, actually, you can read that along. was a tall tale. That's right, but it, it's kind of a legend, all right? Yes. Now, Raven and Crow, are those, uh, are, what kind of animals are they? Basically, they're birds. They're birds, okay. Are they the same kind of bird? No, because because a raven's black and a crow can be black, too. Now, do you know what a crow sounds like? Yeah, it's like, caca, caca. Is that a crow? Yes. Now, is that a beautiful song? Uh, no, it hurts my ears and the headphones. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so crow is, d- doesn't sound very nice, but did you know that in the olden days, the crow had a beautiful song, kind of like this. Now, that's, does that sound better or worse than the first one? Better than the first one instead of worse, because if it was worse, it would be like... That's right. Okay, so this is how Raven stole Crow's potlatch because Crow is going to host a potlatch and Raven is going to steal it. Okay, let's read the story. Okay. Once upon a time, a long time ago, in the Pacific Northwest, there lived a magical bird named Raven. Now, Raven... I'm aware of that, Jason. Okay, let's listen, okay? Now, Raven was a shapeshifter. Raven could turn himself into a person 
and back again into a bird just by pulling his beak over his head like a mask. So, so Raven practiced and practiced and practiced until he could turn himself into any animal. So first he could be a person, then he could turn into a monkey or a whale or an elk or a bear. Okay, or so he, a shark. Or even a shark. Raven could fool other animals into thinking he was just about anybody. Also, Raven was extremely smart and very charming. He was also a bit of a thief and a liar. Do you think that's a good thing? No. That's a bad thing. Yeah. Well, Raven used his charm to make his lies sound like they were the truth. Wow. Creatures who trusted Raven often found themselves in big trouble. Do you think it's a good thing to uh, believe a liar? No. That's bad. What happens when you believe a liar? Probably you would get shot in the stomach behind I but they didn't talk into the microphone probably you would get shot in the stomach behind I get into big trouble like basic like basically have to run for your life because somebody's trying to kill you with a knife or something like that <laughs> well perhaps but Raven he didn't care Raven was as selfish as he was clever so he didn't care about other people. He only cared about himself. Himself, that's right. And that, he's selfish. He's very selfish, okay? So one day, Raven looked up at the sky. <gasps> winter is coming. Now remember what we said about winter? Is it a good time to find food or a bad time to find food? Bad time to find That's right, food. and he was surprised when he realized winter was coming. He understood that the snows are soon coming. So he thought about it and said to himself, you know what? I bet Squirrel has lots of food by now. <laughs> I'll go get some of Squirrel's food. But when he flew by Squirrel's house, Squirrel hissed at him. Get away from here, Raven. You're not stealing food from me. Not even a single nut. So Raven spread his wings and soared away. I know. Bear will have food, he thought. But when Raven got to Bear's cave, Bear was sound asleep for the winter. All of Bear's food was in Bear's stomach, and he was hibernating. You can turn the page now. Okay. So, Raven went up to the top of a tree to think things over, and suddenly an idea took shape in his devious mind. Grinning broadly, Raven soared off in search of Crow. Now, Crow was Raven's cousin. Now, we talked about they're both birds, right? Yes. So, and they're... And there's a bad cousin and a good cousin. Okay, well, in this case, yeah, that's true. So think about, uh, like, maybe you and your brother Davy, right? What, yes. So Davy's the good one, and you're the bad one. Yeah, right? because basically, like, for example, I, I w would, <laughs> in a room, in a small room, and everywhere when Davy passes by, I'll quickly... Run, run into him, and he will just fall to the ground. No matter what, every time he <laughs> walks passes me, I do. Yeah, all right. So, when he got to Crow's house, Raven called, Crow! Crow, everybody is talking about your beautiful voice. They can't wait to hear you sing. Now Crow knew Raven was selfish. Crow knew that Raven was a thief. He also knew 
that Raven lied all the time. But you know what? It was hard to resist Raven's charming compliment. Crow did have a beautiful voice. It was his one vanity, and Raven knew definitely that it was. Ugh, a potlatch is a huge party, said Crow. It's going to take all my winter storage of food just to feed my guests. And what about all of the cooking and the cleaning? Remember, a potlatch is a big deal. Yeah. And so he's thinking, if I host a potlatch, it's going to be so hard. Don't worry, Raven said. I'll help you get ready. Don't worry, Crow. It's going to be wonderful. I am so proud to be your cousin. Everybody wants to hear you sing. So that very night, Crow and Raven together began cooking. And the next day, while Crow continued cooking and cleaning and practicing his singing, Raven flew everywhere, inviting everyone to his potlatch. Now, wait, whose potlatch is it? Uh, Crow. It's Crow's potlatch. But Raven went around and started telling everybody, Hey, uh, would you like to come to my potlatch? Now, it's not his potlatch, but he's telling everybody it is. Okay, think about this. Let's say Davy's having a party, and you start going to all the neighbors saying, Hi, uh, my name's Jason. Would you like to come to my party? And everybody goes, Sure, Jason. I'd love to come to your party. Yeah, that was <laughs> Davy, not Jason. So it's kind of a lie, isn't it? He's yeah. lying. Okay. I'm having a potlatch, Raven told all the animals in the forest, at Crow's house. Come on into the back door. That way you won't have to wait with the crowd to get in. Make sure you go to the back door. Okay? Oh, so now while Crow worked and worked, cooking and cleaning, while Raven flew all over the forest, inviting pretty much everybody he saw. Finally, because remember, potlatches take a lot of preparation. Yes. Finally, the big day arrived. Everyone came to Raven's potlatch, except, of course, the animals that had flown south for the winter and the animals like the bear that were sleeping away in their caves and burrows. Everybody except Squirrel. Raven had not invited Squirrel because Squirrel was kind of a jerk to him, so he left Squirrel out, okay? Why does... Because he didn't like Squirrel, so he oh. didn't invite him, but he invited everybody else. Oh, yeah, for, yeah, I, I guess... Okay, so now think about this. So both of the birds, Crow and Raven, they're both inside the house. And Raven says, hey, look, there's Elk. And Raven flew away, supposedly, to see who else is approaching. Okay, he goes, I'll go check out who else is coming. But guess what he did? Because remember, he can change into other, to look like other people? Yeah. So he came down into the front of the, he landed behind, uh, he landed behind the crow's house and he used his magic powers to turn himself into elk and he ran to the front door. Oh, welcome to my potlatch, elk. Crow welcomed Raven the elk excitedly because he knows, because remember, he's trying to trick the animals into thinking it's his potlatch. So he knows that when they come to the front door, if they come to the front door, Crow is going to greet them and say, welcome to my potlatch. So he, he changes into Elk and says, oh, wow, uh, great. Thanks for inviting me, Crow, replied Raven, who is pretending to be Elk. I can't wait to hear your beautiful voice. 
So Raven the elk lowered his head and went into the house. Then he went out the back door and changed into Rabbit and went around to the front of the house again. Oh, welcome, Rabbit, cried Crow excitedly. Oh, thank you for inviting me, said Raven, who was pretending to be the rabbit. I can't wait to hear you sing. And so it went. Crow stood by the front door, welcoming what he thought were all the animals in the forest. But really, all the animals was just Raven in disguise. Now, as for Raven, when he wasn't busy tricking Crow at the front door, Raven stood at the back door, welcoming all the guests to his potlatch. Oh, Elk, thank you for coming to my potlatch. Okay, so he's fooling everybody. Raven was a bit winded from all his running around, but he found the whole thing delightful. Nobody suspected a thing. Now, when all of the real guests had entered through Crow's back door, Ray Raven took Crow, dragged Crow away from the front door and pushed him to the middle of the room. Hey, guys! Crow is going to sing for us, Raven shouted over the noise of the party, because, uh, you know, all the people had come in the back door, so uh, Crow never guessed that they were, uh, that they were, actually came in the back, right? Yeah. Um, so Crow started to sing, and sing, and got huge cheers. Oh, come on, Crow, just one more song, called Raven, over and over and over. Bursting with happiness, Crow sang and sang until he started to lose his voice. Soon, he didn't sound beautiful anymore. He sounded like... Because <laughs> he was singing too much. But you know what, though? It was a wonderful party. Everybody laughed and told jokes and ate food and cheered Crow's songs. And at the end of the party... Every guest received a package of food to take home. Thank you for inviting me to your potlatch. All the guests thanked Raven. Crow tilted his head. He was confused. He tried to tell all the guests that this wasn't, this wasn't Raven's potlatch. This was his potlatch. But guess what? Crow's voice was gone. <laughs> He lost his voice when he was singing. Yes. So he couldn't even tell everybody that winter, as he knew he would, Raven, because, you know, he, he had a great party. So everybody started giving Raven invitations to all of their potlatches. Now, Raven had a wonderful time laughing and eating all winter long. At every potlatch, he got a package of food to take home. But nobody invited Crow. After all, Crow had never invited them to a party. Why should they invite him? Poor Crow. He had wasted all of his food for the potlatch. So in order to eat that winter, he had to beg scraps of food from all of the people. Crow couldn't even tell anyone what Raven had done. Crow had lost his beautiful voice forever. The only sound that he could make was a shrill And that, I'm afraid, did not help him at all. <laughs> so, what did you think of that story? Pretty much, um, Raven must have won. I think Raven won. 
And that's why Crow has such an ugly voice today. So did you learn anything today? What did you learn about? <laughs> That's a good lesson. Did yes. you learn anything else? Not just from the story, but all the other stuff. Yeah, I kind of got. What did you learn, man? Uh, I'm thinking. Did you learn about how the Indians used to live? Like yes. how they would get food and yeah, the tall and tales and where they yes. used to live? Yeah, like long houses. They Talking in the microphone. They could be able to long houses, teepees. Well, well, remember, in the Pacific Northwest, they didn't live in teepees. Oh. Okay, so was it a good lesson, though? Yes. All right. Well, I hope you all enjoyed it. And as always, thank you for listening. That will do it for us today. We went a little bit long. And we'll be back next week with more stimulating Native Talk radio available online at nativetalk.net. Phone number, if you want to call and leave a message, 970-278-5791. Please share this show with your friends. Send them to our website, nativetalk.net. And like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash Native Talk radio. What did you have to say? And and remember, um, make sure if you're growing up, Check that Titanic out if you already know how to do that. Yeah, I understand you're obsessed with the Titanic because you saw the movie. (laughs) And the document and everything. And the what? And the document. The documentary. Oh, yeah. That's right. Well, I'm glad you're just learning all kinds of stuff these days. Yeah, like, for example, about the Titanic. All right. (laughs) Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Yes. The NativeTalk.net radio program with Cliff and Brandon. If there ever was a valid reason for cloning, we'd be it. Now grab your nets and let's go fishing.